Excluding skin cancer, colorectal cancer is the third most common cancer diagnosed in men and women in the United States. That's according to the American Cancer Society. The five-year survival rate for localized colon cancer, meaning it's contained to the colon, is 90%. That means early detection is key, yet about one in three people living in the United States who should get tested for colorectal cancer have never been screened. On this edition of Health Styles, we're talking with Nora Porter, advanced nurse practitioner from Sarah Bush Lincoln's Gastroenterology Clinic. We'll learn more about colon cancer screening and how it can potentially save your life. As you age, what's really important to you? Travel, independence, hobbies, creating memories with your grandkids. When your mobility is preventing you from doing the things you love, it's time to do something about it. Visit one of our top nationally ranked orthopedists and learn how our world-class technology can help restore your mobility. Don't give up on the things you love. Contact Sarah Bush Lincoln Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and the Benuti Clinic today. Learn more at sarahbush.org. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is Lori Banks, your host for Health Styles. And today I have a special guest, Nora Porter. Hello. Welcome to Hello. Thank Great. you so much for having me. Well, tell everybody a little bit about what you do and the department that you are in here at Sarah Bush Lincoln. Okay. So I work at the gastroenterology department. And um, I typically will see patients who have like abdominal pain, um, any type of nausea, vomiting, loose stools, changes in their stool habits also. And we should say you're an advanced nurse practitioner. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> APRN. Yes, yeah. so I'm a provider, yes, and so I um, see these see people for symptoms and then help diagnose what's going on with them. So. Okay, so as far as gastroenterology as a, as a area of medicine, what kind of the scope of things that you people cover? Okay, <clears throat> so... Uh, we do anything with the GI tract, including like the pancreas, um, gallbladder issues sometimes that is included, and the liver as well. So that would include like if you were to have abnormal liver enzymes, things like that. So And of course, all those great yeah. stomach problems. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And and colon cancer, which is why we're is the focus of our topic today. Mm-hmm. Um, give us some basics on colon cancer. Um, what age group is typically affected? You know, what causes it? That sort of okay. stuff. Okay. So usually um, as you get older, the risk does go up for it. Um, there are a lot of, we start screening at about 50. So um, at that point, kind of, that's when your um, risk kind of increase. And also, you also have like risk factors that would be included in that. And a lot of them are lifestyle, you know, choices <laughs> and things that we all sometimes have problems with. But um, like obesity is one, uh, diabetes, of course, the food we eat, if it's an unhealthy, you know, diet, things mm-hmm. like that, lots of red meat, those can increase chances of having polyps and um, colon cancer. So, and of course, if you have a family history of colon cancer being like your parents or siblings, like so first degree relatives, that would increase your risk as well. And for those people who have a family history, you would want to start screening earlier. Okay. So it's usually like 10 years before the diagnosis of the person who had the colon cancer 
or um, at 45. So if so, so if you say your mom had colon cancer at age 50, you would want to start your screening at age 40. 40, yes. Okay. Yep. So how much of a how much does genetics play into it it can be and it and it also depends on the age the person was diagnosed okay um also if you have yourself if you have a history of like breast cancer that you need to have screened like pretty usually it's within the time frame that you're kind of being treated Mm -hmm. things like that because those kind of are very close related you know cancers so so what really kind of causes colon cancer is it like food that just yeah, doesn't, so, it like stuck in the colon and isn't coming out. Or what? <laughs> so those lifestyle things that we talked about, uh-huh. they you develop polyps, uh-huh. and these polyps can turn into cancer. Okay, and so it's so important, and that's why I wanted to do it on colon screenings, is because when you have them removed, it increases your chances of survival by so much because those polyps will continue to grow if they're not mm-hmm. removed. And um, when they take them out, they do a pathology and make sure, you know, if they're um, cancerous or not. And we have, there's precancerous polyps and depending on the size of them and how many you have, mm-hmm. that will tell us when you need to come back. And okay. it's usually the more obviously that you have, the bigger they are, things like that. You'll come back at a sooner time, so like three to five years sometimes, you know. So what really is a polyp? Is it a growth? Is it a bump? It is. It It kind of looks just like a fleshy particle, I guess. (laughs) Okay. And and they're very small, like most of them, like when you look at a pathology jar, Mm -hmm. they're essentially pretty small, like, um, so the, the, um, guidelines kind of indicate like the sizes of them they're like millimeters so like small being less than 10 millimeters like large ones being above 10 millimeters so they're pretty small Mm -hmm. but large in a sense of they could be dangerous basically so but not all polyps lead to colon cancer is that true or that is true that is true um although like they're called hyperplastic polyps they they Take them out. They're essentially benign, but could potentially grow into cancer, mm-hmm. like if they're left, you know, things like that. So we they take out all polyps, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't discriminate. <laughs> they take, take them all, all out. Go. <laughs> and the process for taking them out is... It's not like surgery. No, nope. okay. it's... it's um, they kind of just, like, cut it out, basically, but it's very small, mm-hmm. um, and they can do different things, especially maybe if you were bleeding or something, you mm-hmm. know, then they would... You know, so if you have a lot of them taken out as the patient, do you have any, is there discomfort side effects on your end? Um, So they give you things to watch for afterwards, sometimes Mm -hmm. some bleeding, things like that. But we try to take precaution in that and take people off blood thinners, not have them, you know, take NSAIDs like ibuprofen, Aleve, things like that as well. So that hopefully will kind of cut down on that side effect. But if that ever happened, yes, you would want to go to the emergency room if you saw any blood, things like that afterwards. So. Okay, so the only way to know if you have colon cancer is through polyps, and the only way to know if you have polyps is through a colon cancer screening. That is correct. Okay, which is why we're talking about this today. So let's talk about the types of screenings that 
that people can have. Okay. Because I will be 50 this year. Yes. And <laughs> it's like, you know, it's the rite of passage. There's a rite of passage when you're 21, you get to drink. And then when yes. you're 50, you get a colonoscopy. Yes, so right. I am really interested <laughs> in hearing what you have to say. Well, good. And I, I really encourage people, the, the initial colonoscopy is probably the most important. Thereafter, if it looked clean and you didn't have any polyps, then I would suggest probably maybe getting something like a fit. It's like a fecal um, immunochemical test, like a Cologuard. Okay, that's the one that you see advertised on Yes, okay. and I sometimes will prescribe that for patients, and it's really convenient because they'll mail it to your house. You put mm-hmm. a stool study or a stool specimen in the cup, and you send it back. Like, it's super okay. easy, very convenient. It picks up on colon cancer, any blood in your stool, and also these um, abnormal polyps. It will t- it picks up kind of on the cells that okay. goes by, you know, as your stool passes, it will pick up on that. So they're very accurate. And then at that point, if it was positive, they would do a col- we would do okay. a colonoscopy and order that on you so they can visually see, make sure, you know, take out any abnormalities, things like that. Um, and, of course, the colonoscopy is the most... Um, sensitive, you know, tests because they're actually visualizing it. So um, I have a little diagram here. So for a colonoscopy, the sensitivity for adenomas, which are those abnormal polyps that can grow into cancer, Mm -hmm. is anywhere from 95 to 75%, depending on the size. And then for actual sensitivity to colon cancer, it's 95%. Wow. So it's a lot. And and for the FIT test or the um, uh, Cologuard, it's 73.8% 73.8% for sensitivity to colorectal cancer. Mm-hmm. So, and and it's good if you don't, you know, we'd rather you do one of them than none of them, I guess, is right. the good, you know, way to put that. But the initial, like, colonoscopy to see if, you know, you have any polyps, things like that. Because after that, if you don't have anything, or if you have, a like, a hyperplastic polyp, the recall is 10 years. So then okay. you wouldn't have to worry about it for 10 years. Okay. You know? So, so just to be clear, mo- you, most of us... You really should have that, the yes. true colonoscopy first. Yes. You should, but do you have patients that go, I want to skip that, I want to do the colocard yes. instead? Yes, yes. And I will even have patients who even have start having symptoms, and then I see them in the office, and then, you know, they've never had a colonoscopy. So. Okay. And that can be sad because sometimes it doesn't turn out that well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you want to get to it before you have oh, symptoms. Yeah. So, okay, so say someone's like, well, I'm 60, and I've avoided the colonoscopy, what are some symptoms of colon cancer? That's a good question. So <laughs> any changes in stool habits, of course, blood in the stool is a big one. Um, you know, abdominal pain can be, weight loss, you know, those are some big ones that... Basically anything that's not normal. Yes. If you've been, you know, mm-hmm. going this way for most right. of your adult life and then now you're not, it might exactly. be uh, the red flag. Yes. Yes. So Nora, when your patients come in and they're 49 or whatever age and they're getting thinking and you're talking to them about that colonoscopy, what is their biggest hesitation? What is the the number one thing you hear about or complaint? Mm -hmm. I think that would have to be the colon prep. So a lot of people are very (laughs) hesitant to that because they've heard horror stories of, you know, their aunt or uncle or whatever, somebody having to drink the gallon prep that they Uh have. So we have changed some things around here. So the colon prep is not. It's not your grandpa's it's, it's colonoscopy. Not. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So tell, yeah, so, tell us about it. So here, when we do the uh, preps, we will they'll order, and it also depends kind of on the providers too. But um, typically, they've kind of gone to a docolax or I'm sorry, a docolax laxative and uh, Miralax. Mm-hmm. So it's not a big, huge gallon. Okay. And then we suggest like uh, Gatorade to replenish your electrolytes, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so and. But you are going to have to go. Yes. A lot. Mm-hmm. And I do suggest people take that day off of work because that, you know, you definitely want to be around the, the bathroom and, uh-huh. you know, we want your colon to be cleaned out because if they can't see very well, that's a potential for them to not, for them being Dr. Inodi and Dr. Oozer, mm-hmm. the endoscopist, to miss something. So okay. if they can't see it very well, then, you know, that, we don't want you to have to go through that again, basically. Okay. So, All right. So the prep is going to vary based on who your provider is. They're pretty much sticking to this. Okay. Um, It may also depend on their insurance. Sometimes insurance um, kind of varies also. And some people request the go lightly. So Mm -hmm. there's people, and that is totally fine. We can accommodate for that. Uh, Some people, if they have severe constipation, may need to do a two-day prep. Okay. So that's one thing that may vary that. Another... um, a potential reason I think people are a little hesitant is because they've also heard stories of risks that may have happened to other people like perforation of bowel and things mm-hmm. like that, which is a risk to colonoscopies. And so, you know, we try to reduce those um, potential risks when you have symptoms. I'll see or someone will see you in the office because if you have like inflammation, things like that, and we send you for a colonoscopy, mm-hmm. you know, you can, that can be a risk for perforating your bowel. But... So I looked up some of the kind of um, like risks to Mm -hmm. the colonoscopies. So the actual risks themselves are very low and the mortality rate is like 0.007%. So like not even 1%. And of course, as you age, the risk does go up. Mm -hmm. We don't typically screen after 75. So after that, usually it's a diagnostic. Okay. And so, and a lot of that's usually like anemia where you have a low blood count and um, change in stool habits, things like that, that Mm -hmm. are um, the reason for the colonoscopies. Also having multiple diagnosis of like lung problems like COPD or um, even um, heart failure, atrial fibrillation, things like that, excuse me, can cause an increase in the risks too. So Mm -hmm. that's another thing that can kind of um, increase those risks. When when they have to do things like stretching the bowel, things like that, those kind of risks to go up. But even with those, the percentage is zero to six for dilation. So you could imagine it's probably even lower just for a, a normal, um, you know, regular colonoscopy. So. But the the fact that it can catch so many polyps, which could lead to cancer, mm-hmm. kind yes, of yes, it's so can, important. Yeah, um, yeah. So I really encourage anybody, everybody, to get a screening colonoscopy. They start at fifty. Um, I was looking up some other um, like uh, risk factors and things like that. If you're African American, the um, guidelines start at forty five. So it starts a little bit old, mm-hmm. younger. Um, I know the American Cancer Society did suggest all people to have a screening colonoscopy at 45, although not all the guidelines kind of, you know, suggest that. It's still 50, so in most of them. So um, if your insurance will pay for it, then that would be a good thing. But unfortunately, I don't think that that is the the case. So, All right, so let's get back to the actual, so you, you're 
colonoscopy day. So you've done the prep. Then what should people expect when they come to the uh, provider? And here at Cerebus Lincoln, we do it in special an area special we call proce- special procedures. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. What happens then? So you do, you have to have a driver because they do sedate you. Mm-hmm. And so you'll come in, you'll check in, and they take you um, to the back and then start your IV and get some IV fluids going. And then the actual procedure itself doesn't take that long, maybe about tw- <clears throat> excuse me, 20 minutes or so, depending on how many polyps they're probably removing, things like that. Um, and then they return you back to the suite that you're, you were in and the provider will go and give the results to the person that you brought with you mm-hmm. because usually the person that is undergoing the procedure does not remember a whole lot. So <laughs> that's why they're telling the results to the, mm-hmm. the person that you're with. So but you at least get some results mm-hmm. that you don't have yes. to go home and wonder and yes. wait. Okay, and then they call, so the pathology reports don't come back until a few days. So then the nurse calls and lets the person, the patient actually know okay. what's going on and the suggestions and things like that. So how... I've heard different stories. How out is the patient while they're having the procedure? So it is a twilight sedation. Okay. So it's not like a like surgery. Where so you're, you're not completely yes. Okay. You're not completely out. You don't have to be intubated for like you know breathing purposes uh-huh. or anything like that. They use Versed and Dilaudid in most cases, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of a you don't remember. There's no pain okay. type of thing. Okay. <laughs> so. So after the procedure, is there any, or after you've had the colonoscopy as a patient, is there any discomfort or? There can be. Um, you have to make sure you're passing gas and, you know, those things because, you know, that can potentially be a, a something bad going mm-hmm. on. So they definitely want to make sure that you're passing gas. And the more you do that, I think, because they have to fill the colon with air to be okay. able to see and it. And all that's so. got to come out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So. And then you get to that day since you have an eight you can yeah. have whatever Sport. you want to eat yeah. i've heard so many people say they go they go through like dairy queen or mcdonald's and they have a vanilla shake yeah <laughs> and then you're then if everything comes back then what you don't need to do this again for another yep if the if there were no polyps if you know the everything looked good yeah 10 years is the recall and depending on how many polyps you had and the size of them and what type of polyp it is sometimes the recall can be anywhere from three to five years Mm -hmm. Um, if you have a family history of colon cancer like your first degree relatives then that would be every five years you would get a colonoscopy okay so in terms of the cancers that we can get, is colon, colon is one of those that's highly curable. It correct? is, yes. And there's, and as I was doing my research on, I didn't realize how, I guess, um, high it was. It said it was one of the leading causes of cancer. I knew that it was more prevalent in um, men than women. It's the third most common um, cancer in males and the second in uh, females. I'm okay. sorry, I think I switched that around. But it's more higher, I guess, in Females than than males, sorry. So yeah, eight to nine percent of cancer deaths from colon. So so what's and it's still the preventable. and I know it depends. Just like other cancers, it has stages. So like mm-hmm. if it's a low stage, is the cure rate pretty? It is. If it's contained to the colon, it is. It is very curable. Um, Usually at that point when we have the positive like carcinoma, then Mm -hmm. we would refer them to the cancer center or wherever they Mm -hmm. prefer. Um, And then they would kind of go over, make sure it hasn't spread, things like that. It depends on the, um, how far in the 
polyp went into the mucosal lining and into mm-hmm. the colon to kind of, you know, know more about, you know, staging, things like that. And also, like, if lymph nodes are involved and if it's spread throughout the body, of course, that would be, you know, a higher stage. Okay. So. All right. So colon cancer is prevalent, mm-hmm. but highly curable. Yes. So that's a it's, it, there's a lot of it, but we can cure it. Yes, which is good and so preventable because they can just take out the polyps and you don't have to worry about them. Like, you know, so, and I just really encourage people to get the colonoscopies, the screenings, and if at the little, if, if at the least, do a cologuard so we can, you know, find out if you need that initial mm-hmm. or screening or, you know, it would be a diagnostic at that point because you would have, you know, some factors that were causing you to have the colonoscopy. All right. This has just been great information, especially for someone like me who's going to be going through this um, uh, in the very near future. (laughs) Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, If anyone's having any symptoms, they can always, you know, call their doctor. You do have to be referred to our office from Mm -hmm. the primary. So, you know, if you're having symptoms, please don't let those go unnoticed. I know a lot of people think, oh, my mother has irritable bowel syndrome, so I'm not, you know, that's probably what I have. But Sometimes it might not be that. It could be something else going on, like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, things like that. So there are some, you know, serious things that could be going on inside your body. Mm -hmm. Don't ignore your symptoms. So if you even go to your primary and ask them to figure out what's going on because it's really important. Our bodies do a really good job of kind of alerting us to, hey, something's not right, but sometimes we don't listen so well. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And a lot of times I think because they think, oh, it's a chronic issue that it's nothing, it's, we can't do anything about it. But there are things that we can do to help, even if it is irritable bowel, things Mm -hmm. like that. A lot of that's like diet control, things like that, but things that we can help with, so... All right. Well, Nora Porter from Sarah Bush Lincoln, uh, she is a uh, an APRN, also known as an advanced practice nurse. Did I get that right? You did, yes. Uh, with our gastroenterology department here at Sarah Bush Lincoln Health System. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again. Thank you. For more information about Sarah Bush Lincoln Health System, visit our website at sarahbush.org. We're also on social media, so follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest.